Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warrior is where I interview thought leaders about the journey from ego warrior to noble warrior and reclaiming deeper joy and deeper purpose. So you can do the same. My next guest is Jack Lian. He's an organizer, builder, leader of Stop Asian Hate Movement. And his intention is to raise awareness and empower the AAPI community. He's also the co-founder of Golden Dow with Andrew Yang presidential candidate. Welcome to Noble Warrior, Jack. Thank you, CK. I appreciate the introduction. Uh, super excited to be here. Very excited to just drop in with you. And, um, you know, obviously we've met uh, in ceremony and I just really love your energy. So I really want to give back to your audience and um, just spend more time with you. I appreciate it. Likewise, yeah. you're a cool dude. So, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. So let's go into the origin story real quick. You know, how did you go from working on Instagram, mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur on different restaurants to a community organizer around South Asian hate? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the story goes back before, you know, the success, right? It's like, how, like, how did I, you know, experience or, or why did I end up doing this, right? So uh, essentially, you know, growing up in, in Brooklyn, New York, it, it was not easy for um, Asian Americans, right? We had no one to look up to, um, uh, always felt like a third class citizen, um, experienced a lot of uh, identity issues, experienced a lot of racism, um, bullying, things like that. So, you know, unlike most people who grow up trying to focus on their education, um, focus on getting good grades and making their parents proud, I was just trying to focus on how can I get the most protection? How can mm. I survive in, in my neighborhood? Um, so things I would do is like, okay, I, I got to join the basketball team, like things like that. Mm. I got to join the track and field team. I got to leave school with a gang of people. So I'm always safe, like, mm. which is not a good way to live because you're always in the scarcity mindset um, and always living um, in survival really. Um, so, you know, I, I ended up doing really well uh, getting out of that environment, uh, leaving the environment, um, going to community college in Tribeca, which is a really beautiful neighborhood in, in Manhattan, and then um, uh, transferring to NYU, where I started to meet like-minded individuals, people from all over the world, international uh, students, and, they, and a lot of them were Asian, and they started treating me really nice, like, you know, helping me with homework, uh, buying me lunch and like just wow. so much kindness. And like, it was the first time in my life where I could leave like a cell phone on the table and not feel worried that it was going to be stolen. Mm. Um, I could invite these people over to meet my family for the first time. And, you know, that perspective started changing my, uh, my life and my identity. Uh, but I still faced some of those uh, issues, some of, of childhood of, um, just not being enough, uh, trauma, anger, um, especially when I drank, I would mm. just, you know, be kind of reckless, um, mm. and, and things would happen. A lot of things that I didn't like, um, like getting into fights, um, you know, things I would say. And, uh, I realized that this was an issue, um, especially as I was trying to develop as an adult. So I, 
essentially what I did was I, I had this opportunity to work at Instagram because uh, a lot of my ads were, were doing really well. I was running ads for a bunch of restaurants and my, my own restaurants. Um, so I left the city. I went to um, the Bay Area. And this is kind of where I got a lot of help, right? Because it's, it's just more common to, to talk about these things in the Bay. Um, so I, these things, what are these things? Uh, like therapy, uh, like, uh, like I think problems, like how mm. to word problems, how to, um, word like depression, anxiety, um, discomfort, anger, like, like how do we find a safe place to talk about it? Mm. You know? So, uh, you know, going to the Bay, it was a lot more common for people to have these very vulnerable discussions mm. on like, you know, what is bothering you? How has it impacted you? Mm. And it was so new to me because, you know, as Asian Americans, we are really taught that feeling anything is weakness, right? It's like, you know, just do it, get the job done. Um, don't have any feelings, but you know, what happens is that just makes us robots. Right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we become soulless, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, in, in the East, they say, you know, uh, feelings are like, feelings is how God talks to us, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. how we communicate with God. So mm -hmm. uh, as the more we block that off, the more we just become like, yeah, robots, like, how does that make us any better? So, um, yeah, so embarked on this journey of uh, trying to get some help. Um, and I spent two years, a lot of time, a lot of money on, on getting this help. Um, just all in, like any conference, any retreat that anyone recommended, any session, any person, I would just say yes, because I knew I needed it. So I well b before we go into the details of the retreats, was there a particular incident that <clears throat> had you say, "Hey, I really wanted to be better in this area," or, yeah. or it was just merely a, a a realization, "Hey, whatever the accomplish that I have, I need to do better." So I wanted to find a solution to be better. Was there anything? Specific? Yeah, there specifically. I used to. You know, I, I mentioned I used to own a bunch of restaurants and a few of my partners were like one of my partners were, were one of my best friends. And it ended up that there was some shadier things happening um, in the business, uh, you know, money missing, um, working with other people. And it was it was that moment where I realized I didn't know how to confront this person who I feel so close to. Mm. Um, it was like, how do I even talk to him about it without one of us getting angry? And then, you know, very likely, like I would say 50% chance, like it could, it could turn physical. Mm -hmm. And that was just like my reality. It was like, like as at that point I was 26 and I was like, how am I supposed to grow as an, a, a human being, as an adult? as a man, if I can't have challenging conversations mm. without it getting physical or, or a chance to get physical. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. Mm. <laughs> um, so I knew I kind of had a problem and I, I knew I was responsible for that and, and mm. trying to solve that. 
So mm. that was my, um, yeah, that was really how I knew that I needed some help. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's, that's real maturity, right? To have the discernment to say my old way of dealing with conflict, which is rage, which is physical mm -hmm. conflict doesn't work for me anymore as a 26, 27 year old man yeah. going into adulthood. So let's find some other ways to do this. That's awesome. I love it. Thank so you. then, then that started you embarking on this journey for two years, looking for different modalities. What yeah. have you found, which was, was the most uh, impactful for you? Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, the first one obviously is meditation. I, I mean, I still do it. And mm. uh, I, I don't know why I say obviously, I, I just just do it every day. Um, so I, I think it's for me, it's obvious. But I, I met an individual, his name was Diego, um, or some people might know him as Young Pueblo. Mm. And he came to speak at Facebook. And um, at that time, like 10 people showed up and I was just, I don't know why I showed up. I was just like, this looks interesting. Um, I guess he attracted me <laughs> to him or I, and I just sat right at the front and I was listening to every single word and I was just really paying attention to how he made me feel. Mm. And like, he just made me feel so calm. And I was like, how is this possible? that mm. this one person who is sitting up, like obviously, obviously talking to a few folks, he's on camera and he's so calm, how is this possible? And I just started asking him a lot of questions and he was like, hey, you know, I, I just meditate. And I was like, what is that? What does that even mean? You just meditate, like how do you meditate? Like who do you, like where? <laughs> no idea. Details. Yeah, like he was like, just go on YouTube and listen to some meditation. And I was like, okay. And then, and then I kind of wondered, I'm like, you know, where's this guy from? Like, how does he have so much time? Like, what was his childhood like? And he was like, dude, I'm, I'm a Mexican guy from the Bronx. Like, and I learned how to do this. And I was like, wow, like uh, another uh, minority uh, person of color from a neighborhood that's kind of similar to mine. Um, is able to achieve this sort of peace mm. and he's able to make me feel it like mm. I want to do that for others mm. um, so I just started with meditation um, and uh, now I meditate two times a day morning and night I've been doing it now for over three years is it TM that you're doing T I do TM I try to have a variety I do breath work um, mm. uh, I just try to have a variety uh, so it's fun so it's not like it's like oh it's boring so it's like whatever i feel like in the morning it's like i, I have see. like four or five different types okay Got yeah it. so yeah i think uh, back to your question um yeah so, i mean i started with meditating and then you know went to tony robbins conference which was pretty cool um you know just learning tools i think he he he, he does what he does really well is he teaches you how to activate your body um mm. And, and then he kind of dips into like a little bit of spiritual stuff, but he mm -hmm. doesn't like spiritual information, like, mm -hmm. but he doesn't go too much into it because mm -hmm. I think he really understands his audience. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of made me curious. I'm like, wait, what is he talking about? Like, and at, at this point, you know, I'm not religious. I'm still not religious. I never really believed in anything. Um, went to church when I was six, but that was just so my mom could like put me somewhere as she was working. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I started diving deeper and I just discovered uh, different programs and retreats like, uh, like the Hoffman process, like how to heal your, your childhood trauma and uh, unlearn your love patterns that you learn from your parents. Um, Joe Dispenza, like uh, plant medicine, um, a lot more. I just like, I would go to one every three months. It was just nonstop. And is there anyone that really moved the needle for you personally or, or they all did, you know, one degree and then slowly over time, accumulating over time, compounding yeah. over time, really help you? Yeah, it was just like perfectly planned, which is amazing. Um, just to think about it, like started with uh, young Pueblo teaching me meditation. Then I got a taste from Tony Robbins and and then um, I, I don't remember what I did next, but I'm pretty sure I did some plant medicine right after that. Then, um, you know, went to some Stanford class on uh, it's called interpersonal dynamics. Uh, just I, I think all of it kind of really moved the needle. But I definitely um, like you, I think like you, uh, CK, I think ayahuasca definitely moved the needle and um, exposed a lot of things that. I was going through that I, I didn't know was still bothering me. Mm. Well, well, if you don't mind, let's, let's go in a little deeper there. Like sure. what did it uncover for you or what about this specific mechanism that really was helpful? Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, you know, I went on like a week retreat and, um, the first part I, I realized it, it brought me back to like a, time in my life where I experienced a lot of pain um, mm. and and still kind of suppressed it, you know, didn't know how that it was still bothering me, didn't know how to deal with it. I kind of just didn't talk about it. And um, it showed me like, hey, that is still bothering you. And it it was a it was a time when I had knee surgery specifically and I, I was a basketball player. I tore my ACL, had knee surgery, girlfriend left me at the time, my first love. And it, it took me back to that moment where I was in the hospital um, watching the ball drop for our New Year's Eve. And I was crying because my girlfriend was supposed to be there, but she decided to go and party and end up, you know, with some other guys and stuff. And I went back as myself, showed up at the hospital, and I started crying with that little boy. Mm. I went on the bed and was like holding him, and it was like, didn't know I needed uh, to process that. And it was mm. just hours of me crying with this kid. And it was a lot of love, a lot of healing at that moment. Mm. There's a lot of power. Whether you drink a plant medicine or not, there's a lot mm -hmm. of power being the adult that we are today, knowing what you knowing what we know with the capacity to love to to have compassion to have empathy, mm -hmm. and bring that back to the inner child. Right, right. Whether it's through plant medicine or whether through meditation, you know, yeah. uh, what do they call those? The inter-family dynamics, some mm -hmm. kind of work along that line. Mm -hmm. It's uh, there's there's a lot of power in just bringing that in, envelop that child with a lot of love and compassion. Totally, totally. Um, you know, I, I I feel like the pain that we experience from when we were children is is really impacting the decisions that we make now. Um, and 
you don't really realize that uh, at least I didn't that most of the actions that I was taking was because of pain. Mm. It didn't come from a place of love. Um, and then when you realize that and you start to heal that past, you, you kind of question like, why do I make these decisions at all? And mm-hmm. um, try to pivot all my decisions to just trying to being in love and being coming from a place of abundance and um, just just like infinite, right? And to uh, like replacing that with everything else. And it's mm-hmm. hard to do because you're not used to, I'm not used to it. It's like, I'm used to being, you know, a lot of, you, you, there's ego. Like I got to prove people wrong. I got to make people proud. I got to make feel like I'm worthy, uh, do these things to prove to myself and my parents. Mm-hmm. why <laughs> like, so, so okay so since you t- you you know touch on that let's let's let me double click on that mm-hmm. um it's easy to come from an ego right and there's mm-hmm. you're gonna you know it's easy to rationalize right let me mm-hmm. make my family name proud or my my lineage proud or you know, being Asian proud or my future mm-hmm. children proud, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The, the whatever the the belief, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you should make your parents proud, or yes, you should make your family proud. Or, yes, you know, being Asian is awesome, or right. you know, all those. <laughs> right. You have a lot of people agree with you, and at the same time, how do you, how do I say this? Ultimately, come back to as you said, to that just the, the joy of living, right? It's not about all those identities rather is just how do I operate from the highest energy level, vibrational level, um, joyous yeah. level, energetic level, and just operate from abundance, as you said, because yeah. energetically we could feel is different, but how do you discern for yourself, you know, which level I suppose, which I let's see, how do I say this? Yeah. How do you discern, um, operating from joy, inner joy, intrinsic joy versus some attachment of identity that you have? You know, I, I'm still battling that, right? I, I think it never ends. Um, and I think the the time alone and the time when you quiet your mind is really the time when you're like, okay, like, I get it. Like, is this, is this the right thing? Like checking in with your body, like checking in with your, Uh, emotional self right like checking with your spiritual self like does this feel aligned Mm. Um, does this feel right Right? because you know you know even uh steve jobs talks about it in his uh, biography it's like you know he uses his intuition his second brain and his gut Mm -hmm. um to make decisions right and and a lot of people in the east have been practicing that and in the West, we value intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's a way we could kind of marry both of them and kind of uh, activate both of them, like that is the perfect marriage. So I always try to gut check things. Like, does this feel right? Like, is this coming from my gut? And then if it's coming from my gut, how do I use my brain to solve the problem? Mm. Uh, so. so one key thing uh in a recent ceremony that was in that very question came to mind Mm. 
I, I got to observe my mind making decisions, grasping for answers, trying to do something when there's nothing needs to be done. It's just trying to solve problems. I try to please me. So, 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 so there's the brain, there's the mind, and then there's the body. Mm -hmm. One thing I got to experience firsthand is, hey, place my hand in the body by my heart mm. and then watch the body comes down and watch everything comes down actually. So, yes. so then that particular ceremony was about, you know, don't try to follow what the brain tells me, mm -hmm. what the mind tells me, rather is what does my body need in this moment right here now? Okay, it needs yeah. to rest, it needs to be steady, or needs to get up, it needs to get whatever the thing is needed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think um, that's a, a tactic that we don't, we're not really taught, right? Like if we just put our hands in our chest a little bit more, um, we we naturally calm down and we're more in our heart than we are in our in our mind. So mm -hmm. um, it makes a lot of sense that you did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so. So now that we're on the topic of following our heart, our intuition, but also mm -hmm. not to get so attached to identity, I have to ask this question, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, what you are a leader of the Stop Asian Hate, um, well, not the leader, a leader, right, of Stop Asian Hate movement. That movement is based on the identity of Asian. Correct. So then you know, seems a little paradoxical, what we're talking about and also what you're a leader of. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you reconcile the two? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when the incidents, uh, the attacks were happening on, on Asian people, mm -hmm. um, I kind of, like many Asian Americans, they, or Asian people all over the world, felt very triggered. Mm -hmm. And in my mind it was it was going back to that dark place of like i kind of wish someone would i wish someone would right like try that on me or someone next to me and and then i asked myself try why, that was try that? like attack like or or um <laughs> like attack me or um, i see so you can or like or spit on me or say something to me uh -huh. and i was like why would I wish that? Um, and I was hearing a lot of my friends say that. And it was like, so you can release your pain onto mm. somebody else. Mm. Um, that was the answer. And I was like, whoa, like, why would I want to do that? Because then that just multiplies, right? Mm. Like, it was just never end. Um, and I just looked around at how people were feeling, just got a, got a sense. It was like people were scared to go outside. Mm -hmm. um, people uh, were scared for life taking the train. Mm -hmm. um, no, Asians couldn't wear headphones or AirPods just, just to be safe, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there was also anger. And I was, there was a lot of anger, especially from men, right? Um, and I just looked at the whole landscape of the situation and I was like, someone needs to do something and it can't come from a place of revenge and and, mm -hmm. and trauma mm -hmm. because that only adds a lot more feel like don't mm -hmm. get me wrong you can be angry you can experience all those emotions mm -hmm. but but the solution is not going to come from that place mm -hmm. solution is going to come from a place of love a place mm -hmm. of being seen a place of mm -hmm. belonging 
uh, feeling heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just checking at the, like taking a scope at what was happening and what were the solutions. And, you know, obviously politically nothing was happening, but uh, on the streets, I, I couldn't really support any of the rallies and the organiza- organizing that was happening because a lot of it was like fight back. It was like, uh, it was a lot of cursing. It was like all these things that I didn't align with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, there was uh, people who were a little bit older and, you know, they were organizing and protesting. Um, they probably knew what they were talking about more, but they weren't getting the coverage that they needed. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't cool. It was just like, those were the three problems. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, one was out of date. Like you got older people doing it. Two, it was like really people who are really angry, who are leading mm-hmm. marches. And then, and then three, it was just not trendy, right? It wasn't cool. It didn't make people want to come. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't attract people. So I was like, actually, I was at a meditation retreat. And I, I was extremely triggered by this one situation where uh, a 35-year-old man was stabbed in the back with a mm-hmm. knife during daytime in Chinatown. Uh, no stealing, no anything. I just stabbed him. And it, was, uh, it wasn't charged as a hate crime or anything. And this specific incident made me feel like we're getting attacked in a place uh, where we think is our safe haven, Chinatown, right? We, I used to go to Chinatown to, to feel belonging and, um, and someone has to do something. So I looked on my phone as like an entrepreneur and I was like, who can I ask to lead this movement? <laughs> Which was silly because it's like, I don't think anyone has ever done anything like this before <laughs> on my phone. I was like looking for operations people, like social media, I was trying to put people together and I'm sitting here at this meditation retreat and I just supposed to be relaxed, right? It's a seven day retreat. Yeah. <laughs> um, could not be relaxed. I'm it's, I was just so annoyed. And I was just get, kind of, I gave it up to God mm-hmm. or, or, or higher power, whatever you believe in. I was like, Hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Um, but let me know if I'm supposed to do anything and mm-hmm. I'm just going to trust what you tell me who like whoever it was i just i'm just gonna trust and for the rest of the the retreat five more days all i saw was bringing thousands of people together Mm. empowering them and just changing their state from fear to empowerment and belonging Mm. nothing nothing else how we did that is just like cathartic release uh, um, just seeing people care about them and just mm. the, the presence of of a lot of people right who would stand for us mm. and i saw it five days straight like every single day and i was like crap like that looks like a lot of work. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm working at Instagram at the time. I'm working, you know, I'm just like, oh crap, that's a lot. Um, oh and then after this retreat was in Mexico, we we're a lot of people like, hey, let's go to Tulum after. Let's go to the beach. Let's stay in Mexico. <coughs> and I was like, 
crap, I got to go back. I got to have a job. I got to do something. I came back, made a few phone calls, talked to friends, like, hey, we got to do something. We have to. And, um, you know, a lot of these New York friends, they still know me as the drunk guy who would party and um, get into fights and stuff like that. And they're like, Jack, I, I know you want to go punch somebody right now, <laughs> but that's not the right answer. We can't just gang up on people. I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize that these people haven't talked to me in years like, uh -huh. or don't know who I am now. It's like such a, a shift. Like, no, no, no. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm trying to bring people together, like let them feel that people care about them. Like, mm. Put something cool together where people walk away feeling like, 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 wow, what an experience. Um, almost like a you know like coachella for rallies right like mm. how do we how do we do that um yeah no one wanted to help me um like nobody got on the phone called a lot of people it's really hard to get help because there's risk right it's like you want to organize an event like why is that even a solution what if uh someone attacks us during the event so what a legal legal obligations what if there's covid spread and what if no one shows up and you fail um, and in my eyes, it was like, okay, there's all these risks, but what if no one does anything? That was the bigger risk to me. Mm. Um, couldn't let it happen. So pulled in like, I was like, I just need you to do this for me. This is my favor. I'll handle everything else. Put people's names on the project, worked my ass off, paid for the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, we got 10, over 10,000 people to show up in a park. In, during COVID, and um, you know, changed a whole lot of lives that that one day. Um, mm. And that one day was not just that moment. It was you know the businesses there saw the best day they they saw in years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, assembly members in Albany saw a TikTok video of of the, of the event, um, and and they were in the midst of uh, trying to fight for a budget. Uh, a budget increase for Asian Americans, and they raised the budget from three hundred thousand to ten million dollars for Asian Whoa. American nonprofits in, in in New York in New York State. Wow! Um, every week after that, there was another young organizer putting on rallies in different states for like wow. month, for months, right? So there was just a catapult. People just needed to see it happen and believe, like, hey, like that guy looks like me. And he's okay. He's not in jail or anything. And um, <laughs> I, I went to jail eventually, but <laughs> for something else. But yeah, they just had to see it happen. Okay, so let me do a quick recap. Um, we can talk about the impact, the waves of impact afterwards. Um, you saw the calling. You saw the vision. Doing your seven-day meditation retreat. You know, you couldn't find peace in the seven days because <laughs> yeah. you keep seeing the visions over and over. Uh -huh. And you were compelled to actually take action around the vision. And then and then you overcame a lot of inner and outer resistance to to do this. Right. So so you, you talked about a lot of things. I wanted to bring back <coughs> the moment when you got the vision, because uh -huh. uh, most people I would say 99.999% of the people that will see visions, right? They will pray for something and the vision will come. 
and then like you said oh it looks like a lot of work <laughs> and most people are like yeah, yeah that's okay somebody else would do it thank you god and you yeah. know <laughs> moving on let me go to tulum let me hang out yeah. with my friends let me yeah. have my day job and all these things yeah. but nonetheless you activated that vision by putting energy into it um, can you zoom into those moments and like, walk us through it because for the younger jacks younger ck's watching mm -hmm. this they may have visions too but they may have a lot of internal noises that stops them from taking action on those so what went through your mind to yeah a lot eventually a lot take action yeah i mean there were so many times where i was not going to do anything um so many times and i what what happened in how i framed it in my mind and <clears throat> we always have to at least i believe we always have to frame like the worst things that happen to us and change it into a positive or change it into something empowering um, give us something to worth fighting for right so to me i think the worst things that happened to me were because i was asian uh because i i was six foot tall at 12 years old and i was a target right mm. uh, you know, I stood out and I had to adapt to being Asian in Brooklyn most of my life. Mm. And it was the, it was, it almost broke me so many times. Um, and what do you mean I, by that? It, it, how did it break me? Um, it, it, <laughs> it, it brought me to a point where I couldn't, take um the abuse anymore <clears throat> and i would start fighting back uh, in a way that was absolutely reckless and it was like a, a complete fearless side of me which which i didn't recognize at all um like it, it, things like that were it, it was very dangerous i couldn't recognize myself um mm. i would do things so much to overcompensate for the fact that it was Asian. Um, mm. I would try to fit in. I, I, I didn't care about my education. I just, all I cared about was feeling belonging. Mm. Yeah. So it almost broke me. And here one, I am. One thing that the Dalai Lama said to mm -hmm. Desmond Tutu in the book of joy, he said that when the Chinese government was uh, oppressing his people, he said that the number one thing he was worried about, he said he would lose his compassion, his empathy for the Chinese government. Wow. He wasn't yeah. so worried about him, his safety. He wasn't so worried about, you know, the territory and all yeah. those things. He was worried about that he would lose his compassion towards the Chinese yeah. government. It's actually, I brought that up because that's what it sounded like. What you know, you were noticing, you became resigned, cynical, and yeah. then became this person that, you know, that you don't want to be. So that was a beautiful yeah. Yeah, example. For Thank sure. you for sharing that. Oh, for sure. I, uh, I definitely um, look up to Dalai Lama a lot. So any any uh, lessons from Dalai Lama, I uh, always love to hear it. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> I, I feel like most of my life I've been dealing with pain from my identity 
worked my ass off to get this help, right? Like to get like access to to therapy from Facebook. Like 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 who gets that? Like very small amount of people um, to to get access to these uh, these weekend retreats at Stanford, like to get access to sit in ceremonies with other entrepreneurs who you know already made their millions and billions like and like i'm not that i'm not the stanford grad who got access to that i'm I'm, i got really lucky to work at facebook i'm you know i was i'm not really like a facebook employee type of guy um like and I, I received this help so much. It, it absolutely changed my life. Um, you know, I'm less stressed, less angry, more calm, um, less judgmental, um, healthier, don't drink anymore, like two and a half years without, al- <coughs> without alcohol. And all I could think about is like, dude, you got lucky, you, you received this wisdom go help them like go help the people who don't know how to how to maneuver their their emotions right now because it's so it's so volatile and when emotions are volatile it needs guidance it needs to be shaped mm. <coughs> sorry you okay yeah I'm just, i got choked up um so yeah uh and all i could think about was this is like your purpose dude like go and help them like you Mm. you you experienced the pain you felt it in multiple ways you felt it from seeing your grandpa being robbed you felt it from you being attacked physically emotionally um, verbally you you've seen it throughout your life and now you're seeing it happen on a big screen to thousands of people who might not have faced this ever or have faced this their whole life but out of those thousand people thousands of people how many of them got help and i was like "Shit, gotta go help mm. so it was just my way of giving back and who know who knows if it was the right thing to do um mm. but all i know is i don't know what their answers are i don't know what the solution is i just know how to help people change their state and getting Mm. them out of that fear and anger mindset into channeling that into empowerment belonging and uh feeling seen and there's something about seeing tens of thousands of people march with you stand with you chant with you and seeing that they all care about the cause that you're dealing with um that lifts you up a little higher uh it doesn't make you feel like you're alone and crazy in this world mm. sometimes we just need that mm. well just like the way young pablo did with you right yeah he, you identify with him brooklyn meditation wow i want some of that mm-hmm. and now you get to be that teacher or that figure for thousands of others young leaders who are also starting, you know, this type of rallying their city. 
Yeah, it could be anything, right? It's like, it's like I I, I care about Asian hate, right? I care about uh, injustice, but you know, it, it's like there's so many causes worth fighting for, and people just need to see people who look like them and mm-hmm. take take a stand and take action. So, so say a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I mean, I haven't organized a rally before, so I don't know what that is. So why is it important to see someone in a public light that looks like him? I have, I have some initial thoughts, but since yeah. you've been doing this a lot longer, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, so to me, it's, you know, I don't know who said this, but it's you, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And it's, you know, that's one, one of the biggest reasons why uh, our success or happiness is dictated by our area code. Mm. Period. Mm. So we, we got to get people from those area codes, like my area code, <clears throat> take them to Beverly Hills area code and see what's possible. You know, like take them to the Bay Area, see what's possible. You know, take them to a place where it's nature and see that it's possible to find peace and the greatest lessons come from nature. Like, mm-hmm. but if you're always in the inner city and you feel like the inner city is the whole world, you won't grow out of that environment. It's just so hard to grow out of the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's a phrase in Chinese, Jin Di Zhuo. It means uh, if you're a frog dwelling in the bottom of a well, your whole world is that piece of little sky. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that you know. You don't know anything else. So take them out of that environment so that they can actually see, you know, the glory of, um, you know, diversity of all the beauty all around us. Exactly. That's exactly it. Mm. So, Okay. Let's see, where do we go from here? Yeah, where do we go from here? Um, I think, you know, what it what it showed me is um, a lot of things, like a lot of people need help. Uh, a lot of people don't have space to talk about their issues. Um, a lot of people are suffering and they, they, they might know it, they might not know it. <clears throat> Um, and there's just a lot of tools and access that people at the upper people, people at the upper echelon get to benefit from. And, um, the people who are uh, working class, you know, working nine to five struggling with families, like there's no way they get to access these tools and it's completely unfair. So how do we democratize healing? Mm. How do we make it cool where people actually think it's it's something they should be doing um instead of like proving to other people who don't care about them how valuable they are Mm. so you okay so i i i kind of see your grand scheme right now okay so so, uh your overarching goal is to democratize healing totally stopping asian hate is a great excuse or a great reason to gather the people to a place 
where they can enjoy music and learn about new tools, shift their states from fear to love. Is that, am I projecting too much? Did I understand you, what you're trying to do? Well, I didn't, <clears throat> I guess, you know, when I was doing the Asian hate stuff, that was my, I didn't think I was going to keep on doing it. I thought um, I was going to do one event and that was it. My job was mm -hmm. done. And then, you know, two weeks later, I mean, it was like a week later, there was a woman who was uh, beaten up in the streets of in close to Times Square. Mm -hmm. And and then, um, you know, the security guards, two big security guards closed the door on her. And that video went viral. Um, and that was I mean, that activated me again, because it was like, that's a sign of how America and the people in this country treat us. We get attacked door closed on you like no one mm. cares and that mm. drove me nuts um and that which led me to organize my second rally in times square where i took over all the the billboards of times square which by the way also incredible story um do mm. you mind if i share it no of course oh, yeah this whole podcast is about yeah, you yeah. please share your story. yeah yeah well this one this <laughs> you know the ten thousand people rally was phenomenal don't get me wrong but i already saw that i knew that was going to happen people were surprised but i was like i already saw it um and as someone who worked at instagram who ran ads for a living for a while i, I saw the numbers and i knew it was going to be outrageous um times square happened in three days i planned it in three days mm -hmm. thursday night just and eventually it'll be sunday uh, easter sunday Mm -hmm. would be the event so friday saturday sunday um and <clears throat> i like the first time i didn't want to do it because i was like a lot of work a lot of stress <laughs> i don't want to deal with this i need a break i have i have a job um and i got a sign on instagram and i was debating it because it was like it was really hard and it was really challenging to get people from new york city to go to times square mm -hmm. People from New York City don't go to Times Square. We don't do that, especially oh. during a pandemic. Oh, um, I see. You know, I it's see. like a place that touristy place. Yeah, it's a touristy yeah. place. It's like mm -hmm. you know, got we it. don't go there. But my intention was like, you got to get people who are not from the area to see that this is happening. And where else would you do it than Times Square? The, mm -hmm. You know, the mecca, right? The center of everything. Mm -hmm. And I um. I saw Instagram ad, uh, I don't know, a photo on Instagram with a sign on, on the billboard saying stop Asian hate. And I was like, this is this is the sign that I got to do it. So I mm -hmm. did it Thursday night, committed to it, planned it, blah, blah, blah. Was it by yourself, committee uh, or? It was by myself. Um, I, I had a, I, I found a bunch of co-organizers um, that were speakers that helped a lot. Um, uh, Freedom March, uh, my friend Oliver, um, and they they gave a lot of expertise. They they contributed. They they were amazing, crucial. Um, but you know, a lot of it was driven, and the idea was driven by me. And what happened was, <clears throat> yeah, I think what happened was uh, Saturday. I go to the place where I think we're going to meet up, and I look on the signs, and there's no stop Asian hate on the billboards. And I was so disappointed because that was the reason why I thought it was, you know, it was going to marching on Times Square, getting the billboards. It would, it would have been 
great so photo. Man. yeah uh-huh. yeah it would just been so electric right like yeah. wow uh-huh. like you we want people to feel like people care mm. um and and we want people to feel empowered right and if we had taken over Times square like which was the name of the rally is called Times square takeover that would have been electric mm-hmm. and i was so sad it was 5 p.m on saturday nothing i i just found the photo on instagram and I just started DMing people on a Saturday, like Saturday evening, like, hey, I'm doing a, a rally here from three to five. I did it because I saw this, like, I already have hundreds of people coming. Like, I need you to post this up if you can. Unlikely anything was going to happen. Um, and I chose three to five the next day because I had a photo shoot the, the morning of. Um, I, I also do modeling, right? So I, I try to make some money knowing that i just quit my job at that point um <clears throat> my photo shoot was from like 8 a.m to 2 p.m didn't eat anything i show up at 2 p.m there's a lot of people there i'm like but what's happening why is there so many people oh it's easter and every sunday we have a we have like a, a blessing here or a, a song circle, a prayer, because it's Easter. I was like, what time do you guys finish? 3 p.m. Perfect, right? Because it was like, just so happened I had a photo shoot that ended at 2 p.m. And all my other events, I start at 1 p.m. Perfect. I get a text message from the guy that I DM'd the day before. Hey, I got Times Square to get all their billboards to light up stop Asian hate from three to five. Mm. Never met this person. Like never met this person. Don't know. I don't know his name, but somehow he got his agency to do it on the, mm. in less than 24 hours notice Times Square taking over on the billboards. We march on Times Square. We had bikers that volunteered and showed up and closed up the street. We marched to the location from Times Square to where the lady was attacked. Mm. And instead of having like, you know, it was crazy because at that point I I knew what power was because if I if I said like, hey, we're going to destroy these doors and kick them down and like run rampant in this apartment building, it could have happened. And there was police lined up in front of the apartment to protect it and instead i asked everyone to do a sit down and we had a few people talk and then we even had a meditation which i led Mm. it just so happened that rihanna was also participating in this rally Mm. and meditation and Mm. then she shared this online so she was the only a-list celebrity to come to a asian asian hate rally and that Mm. was on that day so how that cool was is that? Crazy. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. So so I think Oprah made this phrase, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Right? Mm-hmm. And you had the promotion chops. You know how to get things done. You know how to organize things. You had the divine, you know, vision and also timing. Um and you had the skills to you know, the meditation, organization, you know, the right people, you know how to, you know, um, put together 
an engaging event, right? And that's really mm -hmm. fun. That's that's relevant. That's timely. Can you say a little bit more about preparation meets opportunity and as a way to serve the greater good? Yeah, I, you know, um, you you never know when the skills that you learned when you were, I don't know, 19, 10, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, come into play, right? Like, you know, from, from early on, I was involved in gangs, um, you know, organized, you know, I did a bunch of graffiti. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I knew about the police system. I also <clears throat> can identify with why we hate police. Like, um, and then, you know, I, it took me to party promoting and learning how to promote events um, during college. And that led me to open restaurants. And then that led me to get recruited by Instagram. And then that led me to promoting a rally on Facebook. <laughs> like, so you never know when the skills that you learn can impact your future. Like if it was all just planned, like everything was just planned. And it was like, you know, the pain that you faced 25 years ago is now the pain that you're trying to conquer for thousands of people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, even Steve Jobs said this in his book, like he, I think he, he went to school for design mm -hmm. and never thought he would use those skills again. But when they were designing the Mac uh, and, the, and, the, and the AirPod and the iPhone, oh my God, like it's probably the nicest design product we've seen, right? Like, so I think um, when you say preparation uh, meets opportunity, I think that's exactly it. And Sometimes it's just trusting that the things we're doing is the right thing and not knowing that it could be used again in the future. Um, so these things we'll never know. Well, there's actually two topics that you touch on, one on two, double click. One is, so on Noble Warrior, we say this phrase a lot. Um, your greatest wound, your core wounds is the source of your superpower. And then... Yeah what your purpose, your higher purpose is, lies in your taking your superpower to serve your younger self, which mm -hmm. is what you alluded to. Your yeah. greatest wound that you suffered years ago, now you get to Love that. take what, what, you, what you have today to serve that cause. So that's one topic I wanna to touch on, like the whole idea of purpose and service. Yeah. You gotta send that to me. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you live it. So, uh, you know, I, I just yeah. say it. Yeah, I appreciate that. So another point is, I forgot. Well, why don't you talk about purpose? Maybe my second point will come back. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, right? Because it's like. Oh, I remember my second point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the matter of trust. Have faith that you don't need to freak out about, oh, my God, what is my purpose? Or what's the biggest opportunity? And what you have demonstrated here is that deep level of trust, trust and faith mm -hmm. that it's all going to turn out. You know, what it yeah. looks like, you don't know, but it's all going to turn out. So tell us a little bit more about purpose. Tell us a little bit more about this faith. Yeah, I think it intertwines, right? Because it's, <clears throat> it's totally related and, and it's how we make sense of things, right? Um, and for the most part of my life, I don't, I didn't realize <clears throat> that anything I was doing had anything to do with my purpose. It was just all survival. 
and like how do I get by? How do I make it to next year, next week? How do I have pay for my tuition? How, like, and uh, I guess you, for I guess in terms of trust, I I, I have difficulty dealing with this too because you know in my mind <clears throat> i'm around a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of successful people and just from the outside it's like oh man that'd be cool i want to be like that um and then you know i think you you know going back to purpose it's like how do i look at the external and see if that's who i am and and see what if, do you mean like I paid, I can notice all these things on the outside. I can notice that person driving a nice car, that person, you know, having a hundred million dollar home. And I've seen it all. I've seen these things in real life. Right. And I'm like, this is what they did. This is who they are. Is that me? Mm -hmm. like, like, is that me? And you really have to be honest with yourself and be like, mm. that is me or that's not me. Um, and that's really hard to do because I still, I still get envious. I still, uh, you know, desire things. Um, so it, it's really tough, right? And the only thing I know is I just have to trust that the ups and downs are supposed to happen because if you don't trust that these things are supposed to happen, it's, you don't trust that God or higher power has a better plan for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did a lot of reading on this. Um, it's called Conversations with God. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't trust in what's happening, you don't trust in God. Mm. Um, so, always got to trust. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know but, but it's simple to say, though. Simple to say. Simple, yeah. simple to say, but hard to practice because I forget all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah. crap, like this is happening. Oh, crap, I got <laughs> these bills. I got this obligation. I got to take care of my family because, um, you know, my parents are getting old and I, I'm, mm -hmm. the, I'm the one who's, you know, responsible for them. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm the breadwinner. Don't, don't, don't even, don't even, like tomorrow's not even promised. Like, mm -hmm. Trust, like everything always takes care of itself. Mm. And, it, and it does mm -hmm. so yeah it does one of the things that i started to take on as a as a mantra always you know i actually learned this from you know the ceremonies that we've been sitting in is uh solagria only joy yeah all in joy so so i use that as a mantra during ceremony but i also use that as a mantra just every day so for example there's setbacks of my my flights or my rental cars or something like that normally i would just oh, yeah, <laughs> what yeah, do you yeah. mean <laughs> yeah. i need this and then the other thing you didn't tell me oh my yeah. gosh it's so annoying <laughs> yeah and then i'm like just only joy only yeah. joy <laughs> only joy or i think what do you think helps you with that like like getting from like you know because i see people who who get triggered from something and are so attached to it for days and i've been there so i'm curious to know what what you do to help you with that is it just a mantra just literally just only joy you know whether i say it or my friends say it the conversations that i involve with because mm -hmm. one of the key things i i totally believe in is who i am is the conversations the network of conversations that i involve myself in 
So if I'm involved myself in the conversation of solagria, only joy, that's a constant reminder for me to, hey, think about the lessons, the insights, the joy, even though waiting in line in a rental car place is kind of annoying. (laughs) Only joy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I'm able to bring my attention to, to that versus the default attention is, oh, it's so annoying or whatever. So inconvenient yeah, yeah. inconsiderate. So that's that helps yeah. me pulling towards a positive polarity. Yeah. I think I think that's uh keeping that in mind of the conversations and uh only joy and the, the quality of conversations really matter, right? Um something that helps me is well one is meditating and then is like learning how to detach from the situation. Um for example I was on my flight back to Paris, uh, back to LA from Paris. And I was going back for a mutual friend, Keith's birthday. And, um, and I was there hour and a half, two hours early and they closed the check-in, um, for whatever reason, I think it was, uh, they got, I think they overbooked and they just completely closed it. And, and like 10 people were stuck. Um, and I couldn't fly back to two days later. So, you know, I was freaking out for a second, but then I went back to like <laughs> trust, like, well, this, I guess this was supposed to happen. And, um, and like not letting that, you know, one second or two second of, uh, of, of pain impact like the rest of my week. Um, so I just let it you know, uh, was detached from the outcome, which you kind of learn from meditating. And it's like, oh, this was a possibility. And then I just surrendered to it and just enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. So I want to double click on that. Because <clears throat> a lot of people, especially people who are not necessarily familiar with meditation, they think that by meditation, by meditating, we're going to become, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a rug, right? Area rug. People just run you over, like mm-hmm. whatever, you know, things happen to you. It's like, okay, sure. You know, you know, like a pushover. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. What you were saying, um, you know, let me know if I'm projecting too much, yeah, is yeah. being okay with what is and still advocate for what you're, what you stand for. Totally. I mean- so have a backbone, but at the same time, be okay with whatever it is yeah totally it's i mean don't get me wrong i was trying to get my flight i was trying to get the best option and after i spent like significant amount of time talking to the woman who barely spoke english and was trying to figure things out i was i got to the best possible outcome everything else has to be let go like don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong i was there i was calling my credit card i was trying to fix it Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to the place where you couldn't fix it and, uh, and everything you, you could do was done. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know, uh, there's no more reason to waste more energy than is needed. That's mm-hmm. how I always mm-hmm. see things, right? It's like, what, what can I do now that I do everything I could? And mm-hmm. then at that point it was just, it was like, I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. Just that's it. And, mm-hmm. and to be able to separate yourself from uh, the pain and the uh, uh, 
I guess the inconvenience is mm -hmm. really tough, but it, it comes from meditation. Um, mm -hmm. It's really where it comes from. Like, I mean, even <clears throat> I catch myself sometimes because I'm still not perfect. And some somebody skipped me, skipped me in the bathroom line. Uh, I was at a party, and uh, I was, I was like, oh, shit, this guy skipped. I grabbed his shirt, and I was like, hey, <laughs> you can't skip me. And then uh, he, you know, <laughs> it was. I felt it, it, you know, I know this is how I know I'm not perfect because I still do these things. And then <clears throat> I caught myself because the bouncer was like, hey, you know, stop, like a bouncer, bouncer, you know, bathroom bouncer. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, like I, it's not worth the energy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not worth it. Like, I had skipped you. Like he's mm -hmm. he's already there. Like I've already tried to stop him. You know, bouncer told me to stop. Like, like <laughs> you know, so it, there, I, I'm, there is not being a pushover because I still, you know, told him something. But then it's like it doesn't have to escalate. Yeah, for sure. You know? I appreciate it. So thanks for yeah. sharing. No, well, I mean, uh, I love it. I, I love that you have that strong spine, you know, right? The spiritual yeah. spine to advocate for yourself. Uh, grab yeah, people by the lapel that's I amazing that's gotta above be, it. yeah got be, got be a little my friend was behind me like calm down <laughs> i was like no you're trying to skip us like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's too funny okay so what are some of the happy accidents you know being a community organizer that you just never anticipated mm, you're like yeah. wow you know i i did this yeah. for the greater good and I let go of whatever happened. And this was like, I never expected this to happen. And this thing, a happy accident happened. So Rihanna being at the, yeah, at the, at the meditation sure. that you led, that was a happy yeah. accident. Is there anything else that was surprising to you? Um, well, she came intentionally. She was there at the, she marched with us. She had a sign like, you know, but that was incredible because you know how impact like I say making things cool is important because you change culture like that's so impactful for us like if you see a Rihanna like showing up to a rally like that motivates millions of people to be like okay Rihanna did it like I, I could show up too right and the people that show up more people that show up the more uh, political leaders and entrepreneurs and business leaders they all notice and it's like oh people care enough to show up maybe i should talk to my employees about this maybe i should write some new policies on this maybe i should donate more money to this because a lot of people are being impacted mm. um, so that's why it's important for rihanna to show up uh but back to your question um <clears throat> so i during the during the rallies I, I invited andrew yang to come speak a few times and i i've i known andrew during his first uh first when he first announced that he was running for president and as an asian man i was like don't embarrass us <laughs> i was like who the hell is this guy i was like don't embarrass us and he just completely surpassed all my expectations and i was so happy for him um i donated to his campaign but he didn't really know who i was um, but during the rallies he would come and it was very important for him to also speak up for the asian community too because he's a uh, you know he's for in terms of media he's like the go-to guy to speak about anything that uh represents 
Asian stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's like him and Jeremy Lin, yeah. uh, <laughs> who are national figures, right? Yeah, yeah. And and um, he showed up, and he showed up very last minute. He wasn't going to come um, to to the, the rally with ten thousand people, and he came. He brought his kids. He brought his wife, and he spoke. And he was like, "Wow, that was a uh, that felt like a presidential debate. Like it was so electric." Mm. And, and then he would come out to more of my events and um when it was time to help get more asian people to vote because voting is one of the the tangible things we can do to make a difference Um, Mm. it's you know he was also very supportive of that uh, because he was also running for mayor uh which you know he didn't end up in his favor but i think now looking back he's pretty glad he didn't win um Mm. but what happened was you know he lost his race he had some time and his brother invited me over for thanksgiving and uh which was amazing and i thought there was going to be his brother people. invited you yeah wow um, oh, that's yeah. cool wow yeah that's yeah a, oh i don't know, if you, know. You, you actually don't know this uh um i thought you did so his brother uh, his brother-in-law invited me over for thanksgiving and you know as a chinese person and we don't really celebrate thanksgiving but you know so i always since i was a kid going to friends places um and um i thought it was gonna be 20 people there i don't know why 20 i just thought it was gonna be 20 eight people it was him like theo my friend uh one of my best friends it was andrew his wife his two kids his brother his mom and me Wow, <laughs> which I was like, "What the hell is going?" And uh, I, you know, I was like, and we started talking about things, talking about movement, talking about rally, talking about opportunity, talking about nonprofits. And he was like, "We should do something together." Mm. And I'm like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, right." Like, you know, that's it. you know, he probably says that to hundreds of people. Mm. And um, <clears throat> he was like, "What should we do?" like well there's a thing called DAOs, the centralized autonomous organization it's uh, uh you know we shouldn't start a non-profit because here's why here's why DAOs are cooler and better and so we started a DAO together um mm-hmm. and uh, we've been traveling all over the country for the last five months you know just had dinner with him and his family yesterday because he was in la mm. and, yeah and like now me and him are business partners like mm like uh, that was totally unexpected mm-hmm. um so yeah so so unpack that a little i mean other than super cool right so congratulations super cool Thank andrew Yang, super high profile you know uh definitely a visionary mm-hmm. yeah, and i'm uh i'm a, uh, am a supporter of andrew um but unpack that for us if you don't mind like to take it take a like a meta perspective on that mm-hmm. what the heck happened to, <laughs> to have you become business partner with andrew yang no idea <laughs> no idea it's not what i i mean he is just i just don't understand how it happened um yeah i mean one day you know he's coming over and uh you know to our to the rally and he was very impressed by it and he wasn't going to come to the rally because i tried to get him to come and he couldn't make it and then for whatever reason he made it um and 
you know, I was at that day, I was like make moving things around and he came and it was so electric and, um, I, and then he would come again and again and I just, he just got to know me and, you know, I never really even spoke to him that much during the events because I just knew everyone was trying to speak to him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I kid you not, probably I've only said more than like five sentences to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like three of those sentences is like, are you ready to come on? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what? Are, like, when do you want to go? Like, mm-hmm. It was like, that, that was all the interaction <laughs> that I had with him. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't know. I can't explain mm. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's certain, I think your actions speak louder than words. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk and then you did something about it. And yeah. also my guess, my, my hunch is probably your events speak the impeccability of who you are probably. Right. So, so based on the results, you can get a taste of just how you think about things, how you do things, you know, the, the standards that you hold, mm-hmm. the people that you surround yourself with the, yeah. you know, but this is all projection. I have no idea. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Inside. I, I think that might be it. CK. I think, you know, there's a lot of unspoken things and I, you know, I, I always wanted to be a really good speaker, but I just don't speak a lot. Um, I just, yeah, I was not the guy to be outspoken. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, I kind of keep to myself. I actually prefer to listen. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, know, I mean, on that note, I would say, because uh, you and I, we met a couple of times mm-hmm. and I always thought you were very quiet. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you have a serious face on. I didn't know what's going on inside your head. And yeah. then I ask you some questions and you're like, you drop some like knowledge bombs. I was like, wow, you know, I this guy's really interesting. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I get that feedback a lot. They're like, "Oh, you're kind of intimidating." I'm like, "Shit!" <laughs> like, I don't, I'm just, I just listened. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like, I'm here to learn. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, but one one of the reasons why I enjoy um, going to clubs a lot back then was because the music was so loud you couldn't talk to anyone, mm. and you would just feel people. Mm. Like, how do they feel? How do they make you feel? And then you would choose who you become friends with based on how they made you feel. And it was just poetic. Uh, I loved it way more than like hearing people talk because sometimes, you know, people could say a lot of things and it could be like 90% bullshit. Like, you know, you just never know. But the way they make you feel, that's almost for the most part accurate, mm. you know. So say more about that. Uh, I, before you respond, I'll just quote something. I think it was uh, Maya Angelou who said, people are not going to remember what you say or what you do, but they always remember how um, you make them feel. Totally. I didn't believe that because I was a very cerebral person. It's like, nah, feeling, yeah. who care about yeah, those yeah. things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's knowledge. Yeah. It's content yeah. that matters. Yeah, and so, that, was, yeah. that was so wrong. That was me in my 20s. I didn't understand this. But bringing back to this, Say more about that. How, as a community builder, especially your quote unquote job now is to feel right, sense the collective feel a lot, and then a lot. guide the conversations 
based on the collective feel a lot. So say yeah. a little bit more about how you are using that and how you cultivate that sensibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how I cultivated that was what well, I used to be a party promoter. I was, you know, a partner of a party promotion company. And I don't give myself a lot of credit. I mean, it seems like I do just based on this conversation, but one thing I could do really well is I could look at the whole situation of the club and I could be like that there's going to be, it looks like there's going to be a fight over there. Like send security there right, right now. That mm -hmm. side looks like they're not really dancing or they're not really having fun. Like get another bottle of alcohol there. Let's bring some people from the fun side to the boring side. <laughs> uh, music is not really Fun's doing it. Yeah, or whatever, <laughs> you know, just like that that side looks more fun. That yeah. side does it. Let's like bring and end of the day, it's just mm -hmm. all energy. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's all energy. It's like that the energy there looks better. The energy there looks more intense. You know, the, the energy of the room isn't picking up. Get more people in. Like let's get more people in. Like we need more like Oh, people aren't having as much fun. Let's get more alcohol, like whatever it is. And I was just, I would, it was like something about, uh, I think being super empathic or just like, uh, being too observant, or maybe it was just me growing up in Brooklyn where I always had to watch my surroundings and mm. uh, pay attention to like anything mm. that like threatened me. So I just couldn't stop paying attention to everything. And mm. that, that skill, which kind of was annoying sometimes because I would, it couldn't, it, it never turned off unless I just got drunk. Mm. Um, like that's how I look at rallies and community building. It's like, oh, they're not paying attention. Oh, the, like, you can't hear back there. Like, why are those people talking? Like, like, you know, is there anything like, are they excited? Are they chanting? They're not chanting. I got to go over there. I got to go be there so they listen or wh whatever it is that it, it goes to the experience right um and my goal of these experiences is the people to walk away coming back like like i can't believe that just happened i can't believe you guys missed that like that was so empowering like and i don't share a lot of words even in my own rally in my first rally i 10,000 people i didn't say anything to the end i let everyone speak until and then I let myself speak. Um, and by that time, like 50% of people were, were gone, you know? So I just pay attention to the energy and it's hard mm. to, hard to really word it, but that's really what it is. So now we're getting into more like esoteric realms. You know, we, you know, in medicine circle, we said a lot in meditation circle, we said a lot, you know, sensing the room or space mm. holding for healing or for, you know, for enlightenment or yeah, for yeah, ascension, right? These type of phrases we hear a lot. It's important, but it's hard to master, hard to get better at it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, right? How do you, yeah. you know, how do you give what the room needs except then just do it more of it? Is there anything else you wanted to say about just being a better Organize, uh, yeah. organizer energy channeler you know listening for what the room needs anything else you want to say about that you know one thing i realized is a lot of people uh are not really aware of their surroundings 
especially when I come to California, LA, it's like, I, I don't know what it is, but, and maybe it's not healthy to be so aware of your surroundings. Um, just because you, you, you're always analyzing, right? Um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, paying attention to how people feel, like, especially around you, like, or just being curious of it, like, are they having a good time? Like, or if you're at like a networking event, just like, you know, is that person struggling? Like, or like, is that person having a, a difficult time meeting people? Just, I just, I'm just curious of, of that, right? Just having some curiosity. And then I'll go explore if that was accurate. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'll just talk to them, feel them out. Mm. I'm like, oh, maybe they wanted that. Maybe they did it. Like, and just practice. That's how you practice. It's like, Mm. try to feel how people feel and and then trying to go help a little bit and seeing if i did the right thing how is that relevant to being an entrepreneur how is that relevant yeah how is that relevant being an entrepreneur yeah, i think entrepreneur uh, the most important thing is the team right and it's uh you you and it's i look i'm not great at it because i can admit i've had over 100 employees before and dealing with my employees was so hectic it's stressful and like paying like trying to run the operation and then you know work on the the customers and the employees um it, it's super important because you know just you having a way to like uh tap in to see what's happening or checking in or like you feel like one of your employees is not happy about something or or upset about something and you just go and and tap in and see why and um, you might assume something that might be correct. And, and then that impacts the bottom line, right? Because if they're mm -hmm. having a bad day and they're customer facing, um, you know, maybe we, we need a break. Maybe they need some words of encouragement. Um, maybe they need you to just sit there and listen for a mm -hmm. while, right? And, um, you know, the more you can show it for your team, the more they show it for you. So I think having that skill is, is extremely important. And then how does that translate to a governance structure like DAO? Because DAO essentially, in my mind, the way I look at DAO is mm -hmm. it's a governance structure. You essentially laid out with transparency what this organization stands for, what are the different responsibilities, what are mm -hmm. the quote unquote incentive structure, this and that. You know, laid everything out. It's a governance yeah. structure. So yeah, yeah, DAOs are tricky because DAOs a lot of it is based online and a lot of it is anonymous, which is complex, mm -hmm. right? It's not something I've ever faced. A lot of it is behind the screen. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, I'm always in person type of guy, right? I'm mm -hmm. not a, on a screen um, behind a, a keyboard. And there's a lot of these people who came, come from the gaming industry and they're used to be uh, talking behind the screen. And, you know, when you type something to someone, it's a lot easier to be, mean or mm -hmm. straightforward um and insensitive right uh so mm -hmm. it's not something i'm used to but the the thing that DAOs are really uh good at is there's transparency um there's a lot of incentive for mm -hmm. the mission and everyone to do well mm -hmm. um and it's it, on you know i saw the challenge with nonprofits is like hey you know we just donate money uh, but there's no way to um you know, contribute myself. Uh, there's no community. There's no 
how do I know who else cares about the same causes that I care about? How do I become friends with them? Because that's mm -hmm. like, they should be friends. Like, it's like, duh, mm -hmm. like you, you care about the environment. I care about the environment. Pff, that's we're, we're halfway there. Like we have one major thing in common. Um, so that's the beauty of the, of DAOs, right? It's, it's like, we try to build community and then, and then when the community does better, everyone does better. Right. So, um, I'm still trying to figure out how we can use some of the space holding uh, mm -hmm. uh, in 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 Web three, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is like Twitter Space. A lot of it is like AMAs. It's uh, oh okay. So you do have some <clears throat> synchronous conversations. We do, we do. Okay. Uh, but mm -hmm. but look, I can admit it's not something I'm an expert at i'm better at getting all the people to come to the event and then talking to them <laughs> like that and it works and i think you know in a way that's you know i stick to my strengths a lot and i'm like you know that's what we're going to continue to do because um people love seeing other people in person and no matter how advanced technology gets and i'm, I'm a believer in technology i just don't think you you can ever replace um in person um interactions yeah i mean this is an area that i'm very very interested in um well actually let me put it this way tangentially interested mm -hmm. i'm i believe in the overarching promise mm -hmm. but i haven't gotten into the like in, on the, in the trenches details so i don't mm -hmm. exactly know what's going on but in my i'm very much like you you yeah. and i we met at an in-person event mm -hmm. we were in front of a wisdom teacher banky right he could mm -hmm. do like 90 minute Dharma talks, like nobody's business. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, but that's one way. It's not a dialogue. It's not mm -hmm. multiple conversations happening at the same time. So I see the limitations of having a guru giving Dharma talks, but I think to really garner, to really collect the, the collective energy, right? People's goodwill and desire to, in that case, the Amazon forest, to have a mechanism that capture that, that's gonna work a lot better than say, you know, one-off donations or one-off right. artifact sales or things like that. Because now, because they're only, it's transactional when, when it's like that. But when it's a DAO that you're investing to the long-term well-being of this movement, right. this collective energy that you hone. So right. I'm very interested in to one, how do you hold that space? Two, yeah, how do yeah. you, harness that energy for the greater good of all yeah 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 we're, we're trying to figure it out it's uh it's not easy um you know the idea of the DAO is amazing and we plan for the technology to get there but the truth is there's a lot of technology that is subpar and it's not there yet um but there's a lot of investment into those technologies and it will get there in like a year or two and then by that time our community would be stronger and then we'll be a lot more organized in that way, in that fashion. What's something that you wish exists, but doesn't exist yet, just in terms of the DAO space, whatever, you know, your, yeah, just what you desire right now, then that it doesn't exist yet. It, it does exist. Like I, I like these uh, operating systems where people can log in and vote. It's just the users haven't, um, adapted to it so we can't really implement the technology 
and um, mm. it's just there's just so many bugs, right? And getting mm. uh, getting uh, engagement is a challenge, um, mm. but it's always been a challenge, right? Like just getting people to vote. Like if you mm -hmm. think about it, like for our democracy, <laughs> mm -hmm. like how many people voted for uh, the mayoral election in New York City? Mm -hmm. like less than ten percent. Like how many people vote for president? Like like I don't know, but the mayoral of New York City is like ten percent. Like. Mm -hmm that's pretty that's pretty shameful and that's that's been happening you know for a few hundred years now so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i mean what it, this is i'm just thinking out loud with you i don't yeah. have an answer certainly so i don't want to pose myself as a guru of any sort this is just mm -hmm. i i think people don't vote i think the 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 phrase you know in the Dao community they use is uh, voter apathy right mm -hmm. because it's not relevant to their day-to-day -day life I think the narrative is weak. When the narrative is strong, then people show up Whoa. to vote, to take some action. Mm. When yeah. you have stronger narrative, like, hey, I'm doing this to, for example, I don't know. Anyways, stronger narrative, <laughs> then mm. people will be more compelled. Like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. When when it's fun, when when it's inspiring, when yeah. I'm giving tools to have conversations about Asian hate towards my kids, mm -hmm. towards, towards their school, towards my company, mm -hmm. then like, of course, right? There's a positive ROI, a very obvious positive. Then of course I show up, I vote with my presence. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Yeah, no, that's a great thought. I've been thinking about it a lot actually. So I think um, that that might be something like how, right? It's like how, so. Yeah, I'm gonna put some thought into it and um, yeah, keep you posted on that. <laughs> Please do. Please yeah. do. Uh, one last question. This is uh, maybe planting a seed, maybe uh, for future conversations. In my mind, this is what the impression I got is you're really keen on providing tools to help people heal mm -hmm. internally, their emotions, their soul, so forth, right? Their mind. Um, so right now you have a, a rallying call of stop Asian hate to, you know, for people to gather and then, then you give them some of these tools. Mm -hmm. Are there other rallying calls that you are thinking about as a way to keep those people together to practice those tools of a mindset, heart set, soul set, yeah, ascend to be even better? I haven't figured it out yet, um, but I've been thinking about it a lot, like how, you know, because that's like, how do we just create some space uh, for people to come together? And how do mm -hmm. I organize that? And how do I get people to come? And how do I get mm -hmm. people to care? Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then actually doing it because it's doing it is scary, right? Like, mm -hmm. Uh, and then sticking to doing it, you know, is like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not the most committed type of person. I, <laughs> I just, I kind of like don't over ever, ever want to overpromise. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a thought. I mean, I love to love to pick your brain on it as well, like how how to do it. Uh, but it's people have been telling me to do it, and like just even like creating a. A group, uh, a Zoom, once a month, once a week, bi-weekly, mm -hmm. and just like getting people together to talk. Um, 
Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the, the thinking, but like structuring it, you know, getting myself ready for it. Um, that's the challenge. Um, there is a party called Daybreaker. Have you heard that film before? Yeah, it's like the morning. The yeah, party. yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not a partying at night, partying in the morning. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing is let's start off the morning with good vibes, basically, right? Juice, you know, something that activates the body, mm -hmm. with conversations. So somewhere along that line, that's my sneaky suspicion, right? For the people that want to practice the conversational skill, the emotional skills. You make it cool. You make it fun. That's your expertise. I think there is something there. Yeah. Daybreakers. I always uh, wanted to go. If you want to go, we should uh, we should go together. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. Awesome, Jack. Is there anything last that I asked you a bunch of questions? Anything if you had we hadn't covered? If we you'd be upset, you know, if you didn't cover that thing. Yeah. Um, no, I think we covered a lot. I, I really think <laughs> we covered a lot. I mean, um, yeah, this, we gotta make some space for healing. Simple as that. Jack, I just really appreciate who you are, right? The thoughtfulness and the fact that you answer the, the divine guidance, the vision, and you trusted it. You put in all the work, you put the money where your mouth is, um, you made it happen. And as a result, you're now in business with Andrew Yang. Congratulations. Obviously, it's just the beginning. It's not the end. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to do, a lot more to create. And just really appreciate you sharing your journey as a noble warrior. Thank you so I much for, yeah, for being yeah. here. Thank you, CK. I appreciate you, you know, coming to me and just uh, talking to me and asking me questions, even though I, I seemed uh, like I have a very serious face. <laughs> uh, tapping in and, and just being a brother man uh, means a lot yes yeah. well i knew i had to talk to you after the way you took hape so i had say all right i gotta talk to this guy he took it like a champ did i i don't know i took a little i was like crying and stuff like <laughs> you go like a champ dude yeah, all right appreciate that's it.